0: Welcome to the Run Strong Podcast, episode 29. Rob Jones is back in the house. I'm, I'm back. Back by popular demand. The, the public missed me when I was away. Apparently so, mate. And you've even upgraded <laughs> your microphone. You have an anti-spit guard. I <laughs> don't you know what this is. I think it's called... Uh, there was a box somewhere. I know it's Heidi's. It's apparently it's, it's a, a
1: pot. No. Something filter. Who knows? Maybe a muffler. Muffler, maybe, yeah. It's meant to stop you going...
0: Well, it doesn't work. <laughs> you've uh, you've really leveled your game up there, mate.
1: I spoke to Joe Rogan and he advised me to get this one. So, you know, me and Joe are like this. Joe, Joe knows many things.
0: Yeah. How is life in the UK, mate? How's it going over there? Yeah, I'll tell
1: you something. It's freezing. I can't oh, yeah. feel... I, the first few days, I've had to be wearing gloves because I can't feel my fingers. You know, you come back. <laughs> you know, you're going for a run and you know that feeling where you, you try and make a fist and it just... Everything is so tight and... You know, I'll try and send some WhatsApps afterwards to some clients or whatever. And honestly, for hours afterwards, I cannot get my limb function back properly. So I've taken to wearing gloves when I come back in the heist after a, a nice long run. Um, just to try and get some, some heat and some blood flowing back in there. Wow. But other than that, it's all good. It's actually it's really misty today, but the weather's been fantastic.
0: So other than being soft, you're all good.
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, I tell you what, it's nice running on hills. Rolling yeah. hills of countryside is, uh, is very, very interesting. There's lots of Strava segments that, out here that I'm going to have to have a crack at as well.
0: Oh, really? You're going yeah. to pissing a few of the locals off? Corby is going down. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so you've just, you've just given away your location. Yeah, damn! <laughs> I mean... There's, uh, uh, yeah. There's a place in... I went to the Isle of Skye. Actually, it was I think it was four years ago, just gone. And there's a hill there that I got a Strava segment up running. And at least once or twice a year, I get a notification that says, You're, you've just lost your Strava segment. <laughs> and it pisses me off immediately. And so I go hunting and I'm like, right, what's he done? I know what I ran up it as and I have a look. And then I realize, oh, they've gone up this either on a bike or in a car, normally in a car. So um, I flag it up and then I get the email afterwards saying, we reviewed your flag. and." So-and-so's Strava segment has been removed. You still retain. I was like, yes. <laughs> and one bloke, one year, messaged me. I think it was last year, a year before. He messaged me saying, um, I'm really, really sorry. I was in my car. I was working out a distance from one place to another. And then it uploaded through my Garmin to Strava. And I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to take it from you. Like, it's fine. <laughs> They've reviewed relax. it. And we're sorted. Yeah, relax. I've taken it back off you, though. <laughs> yeah. I think
1: so Zoe, Zoe Van Mills said, apparently I've got one on Jace that I have no idea. A section of Jace, when you come down off the hill and then you start, uh, there's a flat section as you go towards the car park. Um, apparently, uh, this was years and years ago, I think when we went as an endurance team, I was behind, I was drafting behind Marcus's car um, yeah. and there was a tailwind and everything was going in my favour. There must be just a small section where I must have been absolutely flying. And Zoe says every time she goes down that section, it's
0: like, you have not beaten Rob Jones yet. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I love it as a feature. It's so good. People get
1: really competitive over it. Honestly, I was zooming in to find out exactly where these segments start and where they finish, looking at how fast this guy is and go, right, I need to go an extra 30 seconds a K. If I warm up, up to that segment and then full gas it, track Tuesday tomorrow, perfect. Slightly downhill, just obliterate myself and then at the bottom i'll recover for the next seven and a half k
0: yeah but one day when that when that segment in the isle of sky does fall properly i'll have to go back and and readdress it for sure it's a really tough hill climb i can't remember how long it is but it's it's steep it's like it's from basically the the coast all the way up to the the top of the, the headland mm. how long gu- is it uh i can't remember maybe <clears throat> are there, around a k yeah, it's just all... A nice hard effort. Oh, it's, it was tough, yeah. I remember doing it thinking, no one's going to get this off me for a while. <laughs> um, there's a guy on YouTube who was famous. He was an ex-pro uh, cyclist, Phil Guyman, and he now has basically a YouTube channel built around travelling around America taking Strava segments.
1: I've listened to a podcast with him, actually. So good. Yeah. Um, it might have been on who the Lance Armstrong, I think, podcast they were talking about it, or maybe had him on. And he was talking about how he just goes around. If somebody breaks a segment, he'll just, you know, make it his mission to go back and reclaim it.
0: Yeah, I don't think he'll actually ever feature on a Lance Armstrong podcast because he's well known for hating him. He has a, a clean... Wasn't, where was it then? He has a bar of soap tattooed on the inside of his arm that says clean on it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he, like, started this clean movement. Do you know what it, it, might, be, it might have been? It might have been Rich Roll, maybe. Oh, uh, it could have been. Could have been Rich that Roll. That was it. It's called The Worst Retirement Ever. It's a very good <laughs> YouTube series if you'd watch it. So, mate, we're, we're dealing with getting back into running. Yes.
1: I think everyone is so pumped about this. Energy is high. Everyone's getting really, well, is really excited. After being locked down for six weeks of being able to do effectively what, what you have in your house, home workouts, lifting sofas, lifting water bottles, lifting dogs. We've seen it all. Everyone is now back out and running and they've ditched all their strength work. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Incredible
1: endurance.
0: They've all got incredible strength (laughs) endurance now from stairs and now they're trying to put that into into running. Um, Actually, just saying that, last week's show with George Crew on Everesting in a Stairwell was a very good listen and a very good interview. If you've not listened to that, go back to last week's. And he shares his story of, well, I can't remember what, how many ascents he did, but going up and down a stairwell for... It was a, it was a lot. Yeah, eight hours for t- uh, each day for, for two days. That would be tough, mate. Do you think? And, well, he's he's inspired. You could, would you want to do it?
1: In a stairwell? No. I'd like <laughs> to stay on a mountain. I'd like to pick a stretch of mountain and go up and down a stretch of mountain outdoors. I think that'd be nice. Mm. But a stairwell doesn't 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 interest me at all.
0: Not doing it for you.
1: No, it doesn't do it for me. Not now that we can go outside. I think I've been spoiled. Mm. But what what that has done is lots of now lots of people have jumped on that, and um, oh excuse me, burping. Lots of people have jumped on that and are now taking that on. So there was another um, another one of his clients, Tina. She went and did it over the weekend. and actually, we've decided we've launched an April challenge, which is May. not true, a May challenge that starts on the 8th. So actually, this will come out, this podcast comes out on Wednesday. You have two days to decide if you want to do this challenge. And we picked the seven summits of the world, plus Jebel Juis and Jebel, uh, Jebel Shams. Yeah. And you can climb that elevation over the course of a week in your stairwell, outside, on a box. It's up to you.
0: Yeah, a few people are still a little bit nervous about going out and running. So it's a good, good challenge for them to be doing. Yeah. There's, there's also another part to the challenge, mate. Do you want to talk we about added that?
1: It. Yeah, we added in another section. So for people that aren't so inclined to step up and down off boxes but do like running, we've picked some of the most iconic trail run races in the world. Uh, I think we've picked eight of them as well. And we have assigned their distance and you have a full week to run the distance of that event. So we've got things like MDS, we've got the Dragon's Back, we've got the Moab 240, which is 240 miles. That's mm. a lot of k's in a day. We put in something smaller, we put in Comrades, we put in Two Oceans. Um, Tour, de in Tour de Gion. Tour de Gion. That um, is amazing. That's, a, yeah, it's that's on, on my list. That's on your list. I looked at that yeah. as well. Because I, I was getting the, the start line pictures and things and just obviously you get sucked in and you add it to your race list. <laughs> I've got a a reason in
0: in six to eight years but it's on my list (laughs) and
1: it's such a nice part of the world that side
0: yeah I watched the documentary on it a few years ago and I was just sold sold completely but the climbing in it is incredible Mm. so and I think this is such a nice way for people to obviously have a reason to be running but also investigate like races and have a look at what they actually are signing up for and maybe yeah. get some motivation to get back into training post post lockdown post all challenges being off the table and uh give them a nice little kick that people need at this time
1: well yeah so if you if you don't know what utmb is you know you go oh what, what is this race it's 171 kilometers you go have a look at it and you go wow that looks incredible that's how i First, find out about ultra trail running in the mountains, and these these races that we went to was, you know, we'd be in the local area and we'd see a sign up or we'd see something in a magazine in you know in in the shop in France and be like, oh, that looks good. What is this? So we Google it, and then you go down a rabbit hole of just finding all these incredible races and events, and that's how we've ended up at some of these places that we've been at.
0: Just thinking how many croissants you can eat post race.
1: They're not the same if they're from Spaniards, though. <laughs>
0: Not the same, no, no. So, mate, you you've been you've been back into running probably a week earlier than most of us here. Are you missing your your strength gym, your garden gym? I know the cle- uh, the gardener will be looking after <laughs> it for you, obviously.
1: <laughs> I changed the lock in the garden so he couldn't get in. Won't, ma- won't matter. It uh, And actually, we've um, I donated lots of my kits to people whilst we've been away. So there's you know, if he goes in there, there'd be nothing there for him. There's a kettlebell, oh. I think he can use that. Get a good workout with a kettlebell. Um I've so yeah, so obviously my training has shifted. I've gone from doing no running for six weeks to now I back to almost full running for six weeks. Six weeks? No. For the foreseeable future. And my, my strength work has decreased, but I still am doing strength work. We've got a little gym set up in the garage here. We've got a punch bag, we've got a few dumbbells, we've got a box. I bought some resistance bands so I can do lots of resistance band work. Um, and we've got a light barbell, so I'm still able to do stuff. So I'm going to do some maintenance work, but my focus now is back into running, making sure my aerobic base is where it should be. And I can get out here and and enjoy hills, mixed terrain, forests, woods, um, countrysides. I can do lots of hill reps, but outside. So there's loads. I've almost gone completely the opposite end now that I can enjoy this for what it is whereas normally I wouldn't have that time or luxury
0: yeah it's so, so it's, nice to go back to the UK and, and be able to run because you've got that natural ver- very um, varying terrain so a lot more of your pacing and heart rate work can take a little bit of a back seat and you can just run for the joy of running and you get those intervals in naturally anyway
1: well that's it so the the other day I was doing um, actually I set this for quite a few of my clients as well 30 seconds on 30 seconds off um, blocks of 10 and it's it's fantastic whenever you hit that interval on an uphill you're just smashing yourself uphill but then when you hit that interval on a downhill it's completely different stimulus because you're going full sprint downhill um, and the next day I'm, I'm in bits I'm so sore so I've, I've, what I have had to do is increase all of my mobility work and do a bit more of that than I would do normally um, just to help with recovery and obviously aware that not being used to running on terrain like this for a long, well, at least a year now, right? um, yeah, my body's going to take a battering if I de- don't keep that in check.
0: Yeah, big time. We also missed probably what is our usual trail season here, if you like. Yeah. Um, through the the spring months or the earlier earlier months, so yeah, you've missed a lot of that work actually, which is important for you guys, your you ultra runners. You've missed that natural small strength acute strength stimulus that you get from running on uneven surfaces one thing i have actually wrote an article this week which will go out in our mailer and will be posted on uh, instagram as well onto our website is around two key areas or two key things to think about before you turn to return to your running and one is to now ditch the hit so the high intensity interval training that all the runners went to once they couldn't run um, that will now really be affecting people who are trying to go out and run again. So you're essentially trying to, well, you're, you're, if you're doing hit properly, which is super, super high intensity, you won't be able to go as hard as you need to, to get the benefits from high intensity interval training if you're returning back to running. And then when you are, if you are doing the hit alongside the running, you're probably stressing the body a little bit too much to get the aerobic adaptations or the the most efficient aerobic adaptations from uh, returning to running again and I I do write this in the article as well that this is from a pure runner's standpoint so not from someone who's just trying to keep fit but someone who's trying to be a good runner Um, you'll just end up being in middle ground which we know leads to overtraining or or injury might not happen in the first week or two three weeks but it, it likely will happen so reducing that hit training and definitely putting into your plan some um, low intensity, high volume, well, not high volume, but high weight, low volume strength work is very beneficial. So you're really working at both ends of the spectrum. And uh, yeah, just really hope people can focus on that and not try and continue to do everything all at once.
1: Yeah, because I think a big actually a big thing that people will or a big mistake or error that people might make is they'll go, oh, do you know what? I was training for two hours when I wasn't allowed to run. Now I'm going to go out for perhaps you know a, a ninety minute run and then do thirty minutes of hit. But the training stress difference between doing perhaps two hours of gym work in your garden or body weight work versus ninety minutes of running the impact forces and mm. the effect on your entire system, and then doing. high intensity work is yeah it's gonna catch up with you nice and quick
0: yeah big time you've got to get back into it slowly Um, most of my guys this week out here have been they've been doing maybe four or five just 20 to 15 to 20 minute runs each day super super light so at the end of the week we'll total around two hours two and a half hours but it's all built up through very very low aerobic easy running just let the body come back around because when you haven't done something for four, five, six weeks, you can't expect to pick up where you left off. Mm, Definitely.
1: Yeah. I said to all my guys that it's not, it's not about the pace. Your paces are not going to be anywhere near what they used to. It's going to, that'll go quickly, but it will come back quickly. Just be patient (laughs) Um, and don't overdo it in the first week. Otherwise, you know, you'll get injured straight away and then you'll be kicking yourself that you've wasted it.
0: Exactly. We, uh, we have a question based a little bit around similar things to that, but it's more around Ramadan. Mm. Um, I answered a Ramadan question last week, which was key areas to focus on during Ramadan for athletes who are fasting. We may as well jump to this question now, mate, um, and get it answered while we're discussing this part of training. Mm-hmm. So it says, I am following the nutrition plan for fasting days. Basically, Ramadan is just a series of low-intensity pre-iftar runs, seven to ten kilometers per day. A month of zero hard effort, no track sessions. Can you please help me understand how this will impact overall fitness uh, and my paces, etc. Once the month is over. So, okay, yeah. He's saying he's following the plan that I I gave out uh, last week, which is basically around hydration and ensuring you tweak different areas of your eating to suit your goals and if you if you are fasting and you want a, um, a pdf that is uh, has a lot of information in there around nutrition and exercise within ramadan please just email me twinnerfight.com and i'll happily send that over to you um this guy's doing well hey running seven to ten k yeah so um, that free- means he He's,
1: he's been fasting all day from sunrise to sunset what's sunrise is about five o'clock at the minute isn't it in dubai yeah he, fa- uh five something
0: like that
1: yeah and then it, again sunset isn't until about sort of half five six so he's mm. been fasting for 12 hours and getting a, a fasted run in at the end of the day Yeah. Um, yeah i mean for me like his overall fitness level i think if he's going to be running low intensity for a month, he's just going to have an incredible aerobic base at the end of this. Um, Changing of pace, though, I mean, there's no speed work. There's no track session, like he says. Um, I would say he just needs to be careful that if he's going to run at sort of 7 to 10K daily, at the same pace or in zone two, he tries to mix up the terrain and he's doing some ability work because otherwise he's doing the same stimulus over and over and over again. Maybe you could throw in a few short efforts into that, um, into those seven to 10 Ks that, you know, five minutes, slightly high intensity, every couple of K, just mix it up a bit, but still keeping it relatively or average low intensity.
0: Um, mm. I think you could, you could add in as now we're two weeks in, you know how your body's feeling. I I think that's too long to be doing pre-IFTAR without, unless you've waited for sundown and you're taking hydration with you on the run and you're consuming while you're running, that would be, that would be okay. But yeah, I think maybe two or three days of doing that sort of running is, is really good for your aerobic work to maintain it. But I would probably chuck in a few sessions if possible, post-IFTAR, so post-hydration a rehydration protocol and getting on some carbohydrates to help with intensity and then doing not hard work, but maybe some strides, um, mm. some, yeah, like take a normal track session that you would do and cut it in half. So you might do two eight hundreds or four, 400s, something like that. And it's just, you're not trying to get any, you're not trying to get fitter from the speed work, but you're trying to put the impact and the running mechanics into yourself into your legs so that you don't completely lose all of it um when you come out the other side or ramadan but yes your pace is going to to decrease because you're not training normally like your like your normal run paces would be so it like similar to what you said mate is don't worry about pace for now it it will come back but don't one don't try and run at the paces you're used to running at when you're not fasting and two don't expect it to come back fast if you're not exposing yourself to any sort of hard stimulus during this month so yeah take a few days where you're not doing that seven to ten k pre iftar just immediately once iftar once the sun's gone down rehydrate energize wait 45 minutes and then go and do some form of um intensity work but not like you would normally do just real short sharp um like i said two 800s or four 400s some strides some drills and then just give that stimulus into your legs so that when you get back to it you're not completely shot from it mm. let's see let us know how you get on mate um i can't actually remember who that question came in from i think it might have been our mate sad Was oh, it sad again sad so. don't say oh, the other thing you could do also is maybe
1: look to mix up your schedule if you could go to bed a little bit earlier and do your run in the morning um, before you go to fast?
0: Yeah, the issue then is recovery. I think recovery can be really, really blunted from from doing that, and you set yourself up to be dehydrated for the entire from, day. from weird go. yeah, so I actually don't recommend to any of my guys to be doing to be doing that. I think sleep as long as you can, wake up for uh, suhu. that's what it's called, I think and uh take on board a very low salt um long lasting energy meal and rehydrate as much as you can with electrolytes before you begin fasting in your day it's a tough old month for them mate did you do the fasting with us last year we fasted for one day and then did that group run can you remember
1: i don't think i did no i, I wasn't teaching
0: there. actually i was in work that's right yeah, yeah. I remember that mate I wanted to do it to see to see what it was like and
1: man it was tough how did it feel
0: oh it was, I missed the first I missed the, the first feed as well like so I didn't yeah. wake up so I woke up I went to bed at like 9 and woke up when running. it was late <laughs> and that was it and yeah you you do like 20 minutes of work your mind would just lose complete focus go sleep for 20 minutes get back up go to work Try and do something, answer an email, go back to sleep. I just spent the whole day in and out. And then at whatever it was, five o'clock, we met at the gym and went for, I think it was about a 40 minute, maybe less, 30 minute run, all mm-hmm. as a team. Some had been fasting, some hadn't. And uh, we just did a team run. We, we ran from the gym or the old gym now down towards uh, uh, the, the bridge, you know, Sheikh Road. Yes. Towards, that, towards the canal. We went around there, back up, past um, like the organic shop and Wolfie's, and then back to the gym. That was it, and I was absolutely smoked. <laughs> <laughs>
1: at really I low looked, intensity as well, like oh, super, super, super easy low
0: intensity, Yeah, and then we we had um we had iftar at the gym. You know when we get we pull in all those um that huge plate of uh, what Goat. is it? <laughs> Goat, isn't it? And yeah. rice biryani, rice. basically biryani. Like every Arabic food looks like biryani to me and you think you're going to eat a lot but your stomach is like obviously you just don't you you like it's so full of water and then you try and eat and you just think fuck they do this for a month fair play <laughs> I know tough. you get used to it but yeah it really is so hopefully that helps um what else we got to talk about mate I, I was going to throw in. I want to talk about the heat. So people obviously have been
1: inside training, or lots of people have been training inside in their heights, and now they're going out to run. And it's well, it's thirty five degrees, isn't it? Sometimes there is it's starting to kick in the heat in Dubai anyway. Um, so when is it? Well, the question I put out there is: When is it too hot to exercise? It's
0: mm-hmm. not really. A,
1: it's not really a, a question that the answer to is never, because <laughs> yeah. I think it's. For us, we can always train or we will adapt. But I just want to throw in some basic steps or basic t- tips, if you like, for training out in the heat since you've been inside for for the last month and a bit. And it was just um, obviously hydration is key. So if you're not fasting or if you are fasting, you need to make sure that you're fully hydrated. Um, if you can stay out of the sun, so that might mean training in the morning before the sun's fully up or training in the evening when the sun's gone down. If you need to, in the interim between now and that, you've readapted back to running outside you might need to shorten your workouts and that's absolutely fine your body's still going to get a huge amount of training stress from doing a run since you've not been running for so long um so don't worry that it's not a two three hour session take more rest if you need to so if you're doing interval based work and the rest period is one minute but you need 90 seconds that's absolutely fine just do it um reduce intensity we've already touched on that so your pace is will not be the same as what they used to be. You won't be able to run at your 10K pace. It's going to be slower. So again, reduce that intensity. Um, And then train, yeah, train earlier. So if you can, if you're used to training at 9am and it's 35 degrees, get up half an hour earlier and it might be two or three degrees cooler, which will really help you out until you've readapted to the heat. Um, How hot is, is too hot? I suppose it depends who you are, where you are what you're doing so if you're overweight out of shape or undertrained if you start dehydrated you're going to be more susceptible to heat exhaustion at the beginning um i suppose though everyone here is is individual aren't they so if you're whenever i come back to dubai i won't be heat adapted whereas you will be so i'm going to be going back to square one almost in terms of my running i'm going to have to lower everything down again um, Whereas it's the same as you know, guys that have been inside and are going back outside. You're not used to it. So just start slow, adapt, and it should all be okay.
0: Yeah, I tend to say around the 10% rule is a good, is a good place to start when it gets, starts to get hot. So just reduce, reduce, your, te- reduce your expectations, yeah. reduce your effort, reduce pace, reduce heart rate by around 10% to begin with and or your expectations of all of those and then you're likely to to get through it a little bit better because the you it ranges anywhere from three to ten percent in terms of a blunting performance from Mm -hmm. from hot conditions and you know i'm finding it i've my turbo trainer setup is on my balcony so i'm outside in in whatever temperature it is outside there's no getting cooler and when the beginning of lockdown was actually really nice weather It was cool i was actually was still running outside and i was wearing long sleeve long sleeve tops and was fine and then suddenly i think maybe week two or week three it kicked up a notch and my legs just started falling off in most bike sessions and it's like yeah because it's 35 degrees out here you just can't hold the watts that you want to and i can remember last year going through it with with running although i wasn't running great deal I was injured last year but towards the back end of the summer when I was getting back into it it was just so frustrating but you've got to just remember like you can't trick you can't get through heat like it's it just affects your body such a physiological state mentally Mm. you can be okay but physiologically you still just will not perform Um, and you will adapt and you can do things like pre-cooling you can drink ice cold water before you go out and get your core temperature a little bit lower you can if you really want to, do, do cold baths or something like that before you go and, and help yourself there. But ultimately, it will come back and it will affect you. I think on that note, you just need to be a little bit more prepared when it is hot. So have bottles pre-made and frozen overnight. Have bottles ready, recovery drinks ready for as soon as you finish. You can get that really cold fluid back into your system and cool yourself down from within because the core temp going up is a huge stress on our body and it will affect recovery there's another thing you can do if you want to be a little bit smarter with it and that's what i'm doing at the moment as i return to running is i'm i'm running around as i said before last week um so i didn't say i gave sort of what i'm doing with my clients but what i'm doing was i've been doing around 40 minutes a day i'm now on day five of continuous running Mm -hmm. um so i'm running about 40 minutes every day a mix of Sort of low stress intervals and just continuous low aerobic work, but then I once I've finished, I'm using the the hot core effect uh, for another about half an hour or forty minutes. I, I take on board some water, but I don't take on board any food straight away, and I sort of continue to just sweat. So I might stretch, I might do some swim cords, or just you know come back into the house and and have a shower, even. Um, like, you know, a hot shower, you're still going to be sweating. You're still going to have a raised core temperature during that time. And what they've actually seen is a a prolonged um, uh, pathway, endurance pathway is sustained for that amount of time. So although you're not going through the impact of running, because if you haven't run for a while, running for 90 minutes isn't a great idea because of the, the impact injuries that you can pick up. But what you can do is get the benefits of say a very low aerobic 90 minute run by running for 40 minutes in very hot conditions. And then sitting in that almost afterglow of endurance effects of the AMPK pathway that is raised for that time for around about an hour after you've finished exercising, you can keep using. And so you can be smart with it. So you might think, oh, I'm losing pace. I'm not, you know, I'm not losing speed. I'm not getting fitter, blah, blah, blah. But if you know what you're doing, you can actually really play around with it and maintain fitness, use, utilize fat a little bit better with the addition of heat. Now, if you do an intensive session and you actually come to a point where your core temperature is raised way above and you get to that feeling where basically you have to walk or you feel like your heart rate has gone like well into zone four, you know, you, you're, you're definitely burning mainly glycogen as a fuel. Um, you're, in, you're out of the aerobic zones, basically. If that happens and you try and sustain afterwards by not eating or continuing to be in that afterglow, you just, you need to, Stop. You need to actually recover. You need to take on board um, uh, refuel, basically. So, have take some have carbs breakfast, up. get some carbs in for sure, cool yourself down as quick as you can, and help your body get back into a more recovered state. The, the prolonged effects of low aerobic endurance in heat are, are only there if you keep yourself low and aerobic enough.
1: Yeah. I think actually, we talked about this before once. Whenever you, what was the thing that you did? You did something on a bike. And they were analyzing when they looking at your core temperature. What was that?
0: Yeah. I've done a, a fair bit around it in uh, heat chambers. That was it. Yeah. So it's looking at the, basically the, uh, this, this study was around what happens to your gut during heat. So what different uh, mechanisms go on. So our gut becomes a real stressful place for our bodies when exercising in the heat because blood is, is being shunted around to cool you down, not to digest. So, they're looking at different things going on in the gut but also from that study we sort of learned a little bit about our data as well and what you could sustain performance wise and it's just a disaster basically when you get into heat. Um, I had a few occasions where one I came off the treadmill and came around in the corner of the heat chamber not knowing what was going on <laughs> and another one I uh, I went on it was like the last one i think and we were doing a you had to do a time trial on every um every study i think we did about 10 in the end and we had a full-on um cannula in your arm taking blood and uh yeah completely passed out on the bike fell off the bike ripped the cannula out of my arm you also have a thermometer in you which isn't in your ears nose or mouth it's somewhere else <laughs> it doesn't really work well for the, you know, the bike saddle i'm guessing it works fine. Yeah, 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 it works fine. If you if you lean forward enough, and that came out, oh, it was horrible, mate. But uh, it set me up well for for living out here because you know all you can do when you when you start to overheat is slow down, and if you don't slow down, your body will find a way to do it for you, and that normally ends up in you blacking out. <laughs> so
1: let's say let's say you live somewhere that's a colder climate. So somewhere I'm currently in the UK, and it's not hot, but I mm. want to elicit the same physiological responses that you guys can get yeah so So, yes like obviously i know option one would be to do my low intensity run and try and keep my core temperature high so jump in a a sauna or train with more layers on right to raise my core body temp but
0: what other options can i can i use that's interesting mate because the layers one there's i hope i'm not an expert in this but was that enough to raise your core temperature or would that just be sweat the thing is, mate, yes, you're, you will raise core temperature a little bit, but you're mainly raising skin temperature with that, and, but then you're, and you are going to be obviously sweating, but sweating only works uh, if you have airflow to, yeah. to work as convection to cool you. and so if your body is not cooling itself via sweating, I think it loses efficiency in terms of sweating so when you get hot and you sweat and you start to get cooler your body becomes more efficient at sweating and keeping you cooler which is why more fitter people generally sweat a little bit more Mm -hmm. because the the body knows it's a very clever way of keeping you cool when you're going out in layers um, i'm not sure you're getting the same effect that you do when you can raise your core temperature and let your body sweat as it would to become more efficient at sweating Um, so that is, that is one way of doing it. But another way is to go for your run. And then like you said, mate, either afterwards jump into a sauna or if you can't do that, get into a hot shower or a hot bath for 10 to 15 minutes and just keep your core temperature raised. And obviously Mm -hmm. you'll still be, you'll, you will be sweating in that time. Um, and then yeah, finish your session like that. So if you're doing like an hour's run and then you, you jump in a hot bath for like 15 minutes, then you're more or less getting the benefits of like a low aerobic, like hour 20, hour 30 minute run, but without the, the running impact. Yeah. But obviously, if you, if you want to get more stimulus through running, you're going to have to run a little bit longer and then, and then do the, the hot bath afterwards. But yeah, you can do that to become a little bit more acclimated. We've also got long term and short term acclimation as well. And probably what we get very good at here is becoming short term acclimated. Which obviously results in in long term, but basically, mate, you'd you'd get back here. It would take you maybe ten days of some short runs outside, and, and you'd be back into a, back to, a more acclimated yeah. state. Yeah, but you could you could try experiment around with doing that hot that hot stuff and see what you can get. See what you can get. The old uh, well, you can't. It's hard to measure your your body temp properly without the, the thermometer um, program. Yeah, rectal thermometers, but you know, you've been in heat enough to know what it feels, what like. It feels like. Yeah.
1: Basically uncomfortable,
0: right? It's just, you yeah. just feel uncomfortable.
1: You're just always on edge. feels mm. like you're almost twitching, can't settle.
0: Yeah. Yeah, big time. That's a, that's a huge part to it, is mentally how you deal with it because some people get more annoyed from it and then that creates more stress and then, you know, your, vicious, your vicious cycle, yeah. They've done a lot of things around like menthol cooling gel and uh, cold neck collars in mm-hmm. order to give you the perception of feeling cooler, even though it doesn't affect your core temperature at all. You're just perception of feeling colder is helping you to deal with the heat stress that you get.
1: Well, I guess then that's a lot of um, you see it in Ironman a lot, the cold sponges down the, yeah. down the neck or on the neck or down the wrist bib. I mean, uh, it's not really doing much to the core temperature, but it's more the perception of how you feel.
0: Yeah. I, um, my first race out here in the hot conditions, I quickly learned the importance of those sponges and um, picked up a system pretty fast where you, you grab the first one, you stick it on your head and then down your chest and then you grab the second one and you pour most of it over your groin, but then also on your VM, or I do on my VMOs inside of my thighs because that skin is very sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't get exposed a lot like the outside of your legs does or, or like your calf, say. So stick it on the inside, pour, pour cold water down the inside of your thighs and you get this really nice, cool feeling for five or ten seconds. <laughs> but I always feel sorry for the other competitors who are further back because there's just never sponges left for them.
1: <laughs> Poor yeah, guys. I've, seen I've definitely seen guys as well running during a race and they've got much 10 to 12 sponges in all <laughs> areas of their race bids. <laughs> You yep. look more like uh, the Michelin man than,
0: than an Ironman athlete. Yeah, big time. i tell you um, one place that did get hot, mate, that we were going to chat about was uh, me doing some skiing last week.
1: Yes, we need to talk about this. So you, on your birthday, you turned, well, actually, congratulations on turning 30. <laughs> don't Congrats. Congrats. Well done, you made it. Yay. Uh, no, happy birthday for For last weekend but yeah you on your birthday decided that it'd be a great idea to jump on the concept to ski erg and row ski row a marathon yeah well actually I did 50k you did 50k because you decided but you didn't tell anyone you're going to do 50k you just sort of off the cuff 50k'd
0: yeah I did mate I thought I I had it in my head a few weeks before I was like I'm probably going to do 50k and then obviously our rule is once you announce it you have to do it so i was like let's just keep to the marathon for now <laughs> <laughs> i did literally did five training sessions on it i did yeah. a 2k then i did a i did a 5 by 2k so 10k then i did some 500 intervals then i did a 15k and a 10k the week before didn't use it at all in the six days prior um And then I went, the night before, I was like, yeah, I'm probably going to do 50. And then in the morning, I went to plug in 42.2, because I was going, I'll get to a marathon and then I'll just do the extra 7.8 if I feel all right. And then I put the four in and I was like, ah, that just doesn't look right. So I just deleted it, and went to the first number that you can do and just changed it to a five. I was like, yeah, 50K, that looks much better. And then... Off we went, we began at 6am but it was so hot and the garage that we have or like carport has no moving air whatsoever. So it's just Mm. stagnant, hot air. And yeah, it was was interesting mate. It was good, really cool challenge to do actually. Like obviously completely out of my comfort zone and uh, having not even rode or skied anywhere near 50k in training as a total. I was like, okay, something's going to happen here. It should be an interesting, an interesting time. And uh, it was all good until I was doing it in half an hour blocks. So I'd, I'd ski for half an hour and then break and then ski again for half an hour, break and on and on and on. So how, and, long, how long was your breaks? Well, this was interesting. <laughs> the, the machine will turn off, right, after so many minutes. Well, that wasn't the problem. The problem was the counter, the timer wasn't stopping. So oh. I skied the first half an hour at 215 per 500, which was really comfortable. And I knew that was my pace for the day. Then I stopped, got a drink. Uh, I think I had a juice bar, something like that. Got back on maybe, not even, I think it was about a minute and a half, mate. I was feeling mm-hmm. good. And I looked down, average pace was like, 122 or something and I was like this isn't what my average pace is like I'm comfortably holding 2.15 and you're showing me 2.22 and so because I'm used to working with like power that's like normalized power which you know doesn't account for the zeros and things like that so actually actual work this was like predicted work so I'm like oh no this means that I'm going to get shorter and shorter on my breaks and I'm just going to end up in a mess quicker also on there was predicted time And at the beginning, it was three hours, 45. Because it hadn't taken into account any breaks. And then once after the first break, it then jumped to like three hours, 50. So like, right. So the second half an hour I spent trying to get every stat back to where it was for before I (laughs) (laughs) got off, which you can imagine is not the right thing to do. So I then had a little rethink at one hour as I took my next break. And I was like, okay, just go steady but then make your breaks like maximum one minute so that's what i did so and you're I, still keeping the,
1: the average pulling time to
0: 215 yeah when i was pulling it was at, at 215 until yeah. at, about the two hour mark um but then i was i was just screwing myself over with the brakes because i was literally breaking enough to have about two three um sips of uh training mix and a gel and then i get mm-hmm. straight back onto the to the ski and so it 10k to go Uh, at 18k I was really regretting doing it I was like this is this is gonna get really tough soon and I wish I'd done more training and then at 10k to go I wish that I'd just done a marathon (laughs) because I was imagining what it would be like to just have (laughs) 2.2ks left and then uh, I had it in my head that I wanted to try and get close to Marcus's time when he'd done it a few years ago, which was 3 hours 12. But I went through a marathon at 3.22. So I was like, well, 10 minutes off, not too mad at that. But then the predicted timer was 3 hours 58 Oh. for the 50K. So I was like, okay, I, wanna, I want to break every 15 minutes now but there's no way I've got one more minute to spare and I'm going to use that up for my last half an hour break. And then, and then it was basically like, it's going to be 58, it's going to be 38 minutes or 28 minutes of work to do. So I hit the half an hour to go, took my break, swig, swig and a gel got back on it. And then I was like, okay, 28 minutes of suffering. Here we go. And I finished in three hours, 59 seconds 11 (laughs) this is so close and the last the last part was really really tough it was um it wasn't fun it's fun to look back on but it wasn't fun at the time I was suffering I had blisters on my hands my triceps were pretty painful (laughs) so glad I did it it was a good challenge to do and um yeah and then the next day I was was all right I did a did a run and did a strength session. Yeah. The day after that, I had a quite, quite a long bike to do and a run. It's weird to feel really, really fatigued like you do after hard ultra events, but your legs are fine.
1: It's yeah, it's So what, what was hurting, what was hurting the most during it? Because obviously, if you ski properly, if you do the ski properly, you do use your legs a good bit. I suppose it's not so bad because it's quite low intensity, isn't it? What, was your, what were the stats? Do you, do you have any good stats? Of course you do. What was your average? Well,
0: average heart rate was 144 144 mm, average heart rate but do you know what i didn't maybe I, I should have looked into more technique stuff because i really didn't my legs weren't bad at all and i um read a few i had one member who's done 100k brooksy and he was saying your hip flexors are going to get mashed and um afterwards marcus was like yeah mate you weren't using your legs at all i was like i don't really get how like, i was doing like an rdl basically so i was like Keeping my legs straight and just hinging at the hip, but yeah, my legs were fine. My triceps were in the bin, like really <laughs> hurt. So I probably should have paid. I didn't look at any technique. I I literally just got on the thing, and skied. yeah, um, a month ago. So yeah, I've kind of self-taught. But that was quite fun. That was a fun part of the journey. It was kind of like my own little thing to just get on with and figure out.
1: And I suppose with that short amount of time, if you're not going to really, really focus on technique, as soon as you go into a 50K, your body's just going to go naturally to how it wants to move anyway.
0: Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. I think I held the same form throughout until probably the last hour. So it wasn't that my form wasn't sustainable, but it probably wasn't as efficient as it could have been. Yeah. I think there's some machine settings as well that you need to get right. And I didn't even look at that at all. Drag (laughs) factor and... Drag factors. Interesting though that, and probably the same on the rower. You can't like fuel while doing it, mm. so, so that's quite hard to get your head around. Is for half an hour your hands have to just be on the handles. You can't do anything else. So that was quite weird.
1: I found that with the row as well, and I try, I've tried uh, whenever I did my fifty k row. I was like right, because I was the same thing. The ticker. I'd, I'd hold the average speed, and it was under. Or whatever it was. Um, but then, as soon as he stops to take a break, I had not factored that in at all. And then yeah. the effort to try and pull, it's, it's, you know, you'll know it, that if you want to try and increase the pace on a row, the effort mm-hmm. you put in for the gains that you make are just just don't seem fair. No. <laughs> um, so it was just, it left and it was, I just saw it just vanishing away in the distance, the sub four. <laughs> um, and I ended up, I think, 406. But yeah. I tried in the middle of it to hold on to the handle with one arm and pull and then feel with the other arm. And it just what it's just the energy again, energy expenditure versus the gains you make were just yeah, worthless. Oh, I thought you went under four, mate. No, I was, I was four, four or six, I think.
0: Wow, so how does it feel to get beaten by a skinny guy at an upper body?
1: It's a completely uh, different event. You could have used event. your legs as well. Completely different event. I'm going to come back and I'm going to do a 50k ski erg. Okay. And we'll be in the new gym, so I'll do it on the balcony. I'll do it next to the
0: pool. Sweet. I'll do, I'll do a 50k row then and find out where we're at. We'll do it, we'll do it looking at each other. <laughs> While doing a podcast. Whilst, yes, this is there it. There we go. Done the 50k podcast. The 50k podcast. We'll do it for episode 50. That's what we'll do.
1: Episode 50. What are we on now? 30. We've got a few weeks. Yeah, we've got 20 weeks. Well, actually, I need to figure out if I need to run back to Dubai. I did do the route check just to see if uh, flights don't kick off. Could I get back in time for the grand opening of the gym? Google Maps reckons that you can drive it in like three days. Yeah. And it it reckons I can run there in 1,256 hours, which is about 53 days. Yeah. I mean, the last section's a little bit spicy. You have to go through Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran. (laughs) And then it's just a short swim across the Persian Gulf. But other than that... What's the problem? The first section through Europe will be lovely.
0: (laughs) It would, actually, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to have to
0: tempo the last few countries. (laughs) Brilliant. Imagine, mate. That'd be epic. That'd be epic. This is how ideas begin. Yeah, I know. Hey, anything left for us on this episode? It's nice to have you back with us. We've uh, we actually got an interview next week. Yes. No, I've got nothing else to add today. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm going well, to go for a run. It's foggy. Exactly. Ah, it's, it's pure sun, sunshine here. Of course it is. Next week, we have Matt Watson on, mm. who is a plyometrics guru. He's actually a teacher in Alain at the moment, but before that, he was a performance coach with uh, various athletic clubs in the UK. I met him while I was at university, and I was really happy to bring him into our coaches' learning session last week to speak to to you guys, to coaches on on plyometrics, how we can use them, what they look like within a running program. And next week, he's coming on the podcast to chat to you guys, the listeners. About plyometrics and some real basics of them to help you guys understand what they are and how they can be used in your programs. Is
1: you know, I thought I knew some things about plyometrics, but I, it turns out I don't know what I don't know. And I, my mind was just blown, blown away. Actually, more so for me, the the main thing was how overcomplicated we make it when, really, it's so simple. And the things that you can do yourself they give you huge benefits are just so easy so yeah. easy
0: yeah he, no, he's a very interesting guy and uh, i really can't wait to have him on the show and yeah. and question him all around plyometrics
1: and actually the videos he showed us as well he's got he can leap like a
0: kangaroo mm. yeah a we'll have to kangaroo. find a way of getting those across yes a very good one as well he's quite yeah. modest he's very very good good so that's next week um, we hope you guys will join us then thank you very much for listening this week As I said last week, uh, we'd love for you to email in or messages through Instagram and give us your ideas, your thoughts for the podcast, what you'd like to hear, guests that would like to come on. Um, We'd really appreciate that. And obviously also to rate and reviewers as well on iTunes would be much, much appreciated. Rob Jones, anything going on for you this next week to look forward to? More running. And the May challenge. And the May challenge.
1: I haven't decided which one I want to do. Which, which, uh, which distance.
0: Well, you've got two days to decide. And I know. You guys, the listeners have got two days to decide as well. And please let us know which one you're going to take on. Head over to our Instagram page at IF underscore endurance to find out which, one, which options are available and which ones yes. you will be taking on. If you want to reach out to Rob, you can email him rj at innerfight.com. Or hit him up on Insta, Rob Jones Endurance. That's the one. And to get hold of me, you can email twinifight.com or check out my Instagram, which is Tom Walker Fitness. That's it? That's it. We're done.